by the Living Light Center at Church of Faith and Healing. For anyone interested, Jim and I do personal readings, and if you'd like to have a personal reading, you can call 304-567-3354 or email sandysangeltalk at aol.com. That's S-A-N-D-Y-S-A-N-G-E-L-T-A-L-K at aol.com. Well, we want to thank everyone for joining us today for this radio show, and we will be talking about to be healed is to be made whole. Before we start, I'd like to do a little channeling. Real quick, Sandy, I'd also like to say, too, that in that heading is to be whole. Whole means holy. Just so you know, um, when it's said, you know, the Holy Spirit, it's whole spirit. So whole or holy, they're interchangeable, and they mean holy. Absolutely. All right. This is a challenging time for many because there's so much illness that is happening. And when you're forced to stop and just rest, do you think about why your body is going through this illness and what the message is to the soul, the body that houses a soul must not be taken off of its path of God's oneness or else it creates a breakdown resulting in illness or accidents. Our soul is meant to advance spiritually but also to provide the physical body the stability and pureness of God's light and love that is needed so it can maintain a wholeness, and good health. As shifts of consciousness or waves of galactic awareness infiltrate our planet, we're given opportunities to expand mentally, to apply this information to whatever ways that can help us on our spiritual path. Awareness is greatly expanding, opening doors of opportunity for many. Be aware of your intentions and purposes of your utilization of this information and do not let the self-centered part of yourself control your decisions for these gifts are from God and to be shared with others. The time of testing is at hand. Will you choose to walk a pure path, help others when needed, Allow God's love to guide you no matter what you have to deal with. If you can do this, you will have God's blessings. For in the challenging times, it may feel as though everything is going wrong. Things are breaking down. Challenges are becoming greater. Always unite your energies with the divine Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and ask for help and protection. Allow yourself to feel empowered, for it is in humbleness that God can see the good in us. Know in the oneness of the all 
we will be lifted to a higher place. For all that is faithful, God will remove some of the karma we carry and make our lives a little easier to live. For he wants us to be successful and healthy. Trust and believe, for his blessings are upon you. Thank you. Amen. You know, first of all, I'd like to say, please forgive me if my voice is a little scratchy. I've had laryngitis for part of this week, and I'm just now getting through that, so it may not come out as clear as I'd like it to. But number two, you know, I heard the original reading, and the words, some of your karma was not there. It said all of your karma. God is going to lift all of the karma off the world. Because then what choice do you have but to become more spiritual, more spiritually minded, and less materially minded? I just can't even imagine a God so loving that all of our sins were lifted 2,000 years ago. But we have since made mistakes and, and walked off the path at times. But, but whatever it was that mistake we made, it had the ability to be already forgiven. And God is now going to wipe it from us so that we no longer even have to face it. And, you know, I have prayed to the angels for quite some time now that how can one, you know, truly reach their spiritual potential when they are in such bad health? The doctors are giving them medication after medication, which only seem to make it worse, you know. And good Lord, I mean, how can we possibly? I, I walk into a grocery store and people are bent over their buggies to walk. And I think, how in the world are we going to be able to, you know, truly reach that spiritual stage? And one might say, well, the harder ship you go through, I hear you, but when you are sick and you are hurting and your, your loved ones are sick and hurting, it is difficult. And to have that lifted, oh my goodness gracious. And, and when that happens, we will collectively as a consciousness be able to lift just slightly higher. It doesn't have to take a whole, you know, a whole large leap. It only takes just a small frequency jump. And it can lift you above that illness, that chaos, to a place where you may have had a broken arm, all of a sudden you don't. And that is the beauty of it. And the whole idea is that we need to be able to give God, our Creator, the credit for everything we do and to keep our focus at this time in our minds and our hearts and everything we do on God. I don't care if it's at work. If you can still work and do whatever you do and keep God in it. You can, you know, you can be a, a writer. You can be a ditch digger. It doesn't matter, but you can keep God in it. You can sing hymns. You can sing songs. You'll notice that when you sing, nothing else can fill your head. And trust me, the not-so-shiny light for a long time has been sending out, you know, 
disturbing signals to your brain that after a while you get to thinking that maybe it's you. Uh, do I really think those things? Oh, my goodness. I mean, if I do, I, I can't believe it. And it's, the, the key is, is that, no, you're being bombarded by, by thought forms that aren't even your own. And you're not the only one. Everybody else is too. But they don't want to tell you, and you don't want to tell them. And if you did, you'd know. But you don't want to admit it because you think, if I tell that person what, I'm, what just went through my head, they'll think I'm either nuts, a lunatic, or, you know, dangerous. And in reality, we are all being bombarded with those kinds of things. And the idea is to keep straight and forward on the path. Don't go left, don't go right, because there is an ability right now, right as we speak now, for as you're walking along your path, if you look left, you will see or experience something just slightly out of reach that is so desirous, something you've maybe always wanted. And you may even stop for a minute and go, is that really real? And if you're tempted enough to step off the path, to reach over to see, you will find that it will distract you enough to keep you from being where you need to be, when you need to be, so that God can collectively lift you when the time is right, whether it be left, whether it be right. And if you find something at the left that intrigues you and it stirs your mind, the right side of your brain will argue with the left and vice versa. And that's polarity. If you stand in the middle and you walk in the walk that God would have you walk and the path that God would have you walk, there is no polarity. No, polarity requires to be two, at least two. And for there to be a war, it requires two. For there to be an argument, it requires two. One person can argue with themselves as if they want, but it doesn't affect you. And you keep on the path, and you'll find that the little miracles happen the most. All of a sudden, they come out of nowhere. And once in a while, you get a really big one. But it's the little ones that count, and they mean the most. You'll find that it changes people's lives, and, and it, it brings a smile to their face, and it makes them happy. It makes their heart jump, and it does the same to you because you mirror it. And that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. <clears throat> okay. Well, I'll go ahead and get started here. So, when we think of healing, we should think of wholeness. And when we're seeking healing, we should be seeking wholeness. All strength, all healing of every nature is the changing of the vibrations from within, the attuning of the divine within the living tissues of, of our body to the creative energies. This alone is healing. It is the attuning of the atomic structure of the living force to its spiritual heritage. And every physical being, the whole body, is made up of the atomic forces of the system with the mind of each atom as it is built and supervised by the whole mental mind of the body, 
and varied by its different phases and attributes. For as it is seen in the analysis, an atom of the body is a whole universe in itself, in its minutest state. The attitude, then, of all the attributes of the mind towards self and the forces as manifested become, then, paramount. So, as to any healing in a body or any applications of any source or nature or character, kind or condition, is only to create the incentive in that the same atomic force to create the better conditions in the body. You see, disease arises from first dis-ease. As a normalcy, that is existent and yet becomes unbalanced. Disease is, or dis-ease, is a state at variance to the ideal or first cause or first principle. Then, in its final analysis, disease might be called sin. It is necessary to keep a balance. You see, spirit is the first cause, the primary beginning, the motivative influence, as God is spirit. And spirit is the impelling influence of infinity, or the one creative source force that is manifested. We find that in the physical plane, we seek soul manifestation as the spirit moves through in different activities. Spirit is that portion of the first cause which finds expression in all that is everlasting in the consciousness of the mind or matter. Spirit is the life itself of the soul, rather in a person or in a nation or in a city or in a group or in whatever. There is a vast difference between spiritual and soul forces. Spirit forces are the animation of all life-giving, life-producing forces inanimate or inanimate forces. Spiritual elements become corporal when we speak of a spiritual body, when it's composed of spirit, soul, and the superconsciousness. The spirit is the whole. The soul is the individual. So all force, all manifestations in materiality are the expression of spirit, the basis of the individuality of any person must come from its ideal spirituality. For all is born first in spirit, then in mind, then it may become manifested in the material plane. For God moved, and the heavens and the earth came into being. God is spirit. Man, with his soul, that may be a companion to the creative forces, is of the same source. So, to grow in grace and knowledge, one applies, one has, and one uses one's spiritual self. And with what spirit we apply, we grow also in mind and in body. So know that all that materializes must first happen in the spirit. And then the law of cause and effects ever remains, and in spirit it is the purpose and the ideal. 
each soul in its walks in the earth has an angel. Its face is before the throne of that which is called the first cause or the creative influence, God. And it is already ready to guide, to guard, if the soul will allow itself to be guided by these spiritual truths. The key, then, to physical health is the proper balance of the rotary forces of every atom within the body. A requirement for healing is the recreation of that balance so that the atomic centers may have the proper equilibrium in their rotary forces. This is accompanied in the body by resuscitation and revivification. We are told that it becomes necessary to bring a balance for its continued activity about each of the atomic centers, its own rotary or creative force. So now, let us think in terms of physics, of energy fields instead of biology. Let us imagine a force field that has balance, equilibrium, and coherence. In these terms, an excellent analogy may be seen in the phenomenon of magnetism. If a magnet is held near a nail, for example, the nail will become magnetized. What changes have taken place, non-chemically, only in alignment of the atomic and molecular forces within the nail? This analogy may be applied almost literally to an understanding of the way that one person who has so attuned or raised its own vibration sufficiently may, by the motion of the spoken word, awaken the activity of emotions to such an extent as to revivify, resuscitate, or to change the rotary force or influence or the atomic forces in the activity of the structural portion or the vital forces of the body in such a way and matter as to set it again in motion. In such a process, what enables the healer to set it again in motion? The motivative force of spiritual activity. This means the flow of energy from the non-manifest into the manifest for a right purpose. Remember, our basic premise is the oneness of all force. That one force is spirit. And that materiality, as we know it, is a projection of that force. The physics of this may be as simple or as complicated as Einstein's formula, E equals mc squared. We know that modern physics has already acknowledged that matter per se does not exist at this subatomic level, but that all is energy. And we know from scientific laboratory experiments that energy may be projected even at great distances, as in telepathy. In some experiments, the thoughts of the healer have been shown to work over hundreds of miles to influence the activity of a cloud chamber in a physics laboratory. Edgar Cayce's readings indicate that in meditation, actual creation is taking place. We may interpret this as a movement from the level of pure energy 
into physical manifestation. This is a key to understanding healing. The principle of healing is the same. It may be from another attunement in prayer at a distance or in the laying on of hands or even by a look or by the application of any mechanical influence. So let's inquire further as to what enables this to happen. We are told the law then is compliance with the universal spiritual influence. So we may say that there are laws and that with compliance, with these laws, healing may naturally follow. The seven spiritual centers of the body, known as the chakras, are like senses. Just as the eye is so constructed as to be sensitive to the energies of light, and the ear is so constructed to be sensitive to the energies of sound, so these seven centers are sensitive to the subtle kinds of energy that may be projected by thoughts, as in mental telepathy or prayer. We may, again, by analogy, come to an understanding of this process if we likened it to a battery-operated radio. Just as the subtle energies of the radio waves may vibrate along the antenna and be amplified by the battery-supplied energy, so may the subtle energies of a thought or a prayer be picked up and amplified by the bodily energies of the recipient. The antenna effect would be the entering of the thoughts through the spiritual centers into the subatomic levels of the endocrine glands. Here, the input is translated into hormonal secretions, which act as powerful messengers to order or reorder every cell of the body, bringing about the revivifying resuscitation or healing of the disordered condition. Within every body exists a pattern of perfect functioning. Attuned energies can quicken those patterns just as a tuning fork when struck causes reverberations in another tuning fork of the same frequency. So when the spirit of life, light, and love is quickened in one person, it may be projected by thought or prayer to quicken a spirit of life, light, and love in another. The points of contact are the spiritual centers which, in turn, translate the input into hormonal messages of life, light, and love and carry them to all the forces of the body. With these messages, the rotary forces about the atoms of every cell are quickened and restored to proper equilibrium. These laws are not especially difficult to understand nor overly demanding in their fulfillment. Therefore, they should be a growing expectation on our part. Indeed, a new joy and zeal in the understanding of these laws and the expectation of healing within ourselves and others. So what then sets these laws of healing in motion? Edgar Cayce's reading said, ends by making this clear. It is in any manner the result only of compliance to the first cause and the activity of the same within the individual's relative relationship to its own evolution. So let us 
especially notice the result only of compliance to the first cause. What is compliance to the first cause? These readings indicate that the whole answer for the world is that all must have the one ideal of the great commandment to love God with our hearts, minds, and souls, and our neighbors as ourselves. Then compliance to the first cause is the aligning of ourselves with the love of God. And as we think of God not only as love but also as law, then we must begin to apply ourselves both to the spirit of love and to the laws of how the universe and ourselves are structured. It is clear that as we begin to move more loving and to act more in accord with what we know to be the law, we may expect to receive more healing in our lives and to aid in bringing it into the lives of others. When we look at the imbalancing influences, the imbalancing of the atomic forces might include the destroying of some forces or the increasing of another's, we can see how in anger some of the rotary forces about the atom might be increased in such a way as to work against the flow of the energy from the spirit level into the atomic forces. Anger may produce a blockage of the flow of energy at the atomic level, which may make for the incoordination of the nervous system and thus leave the individual vulnerable to possessive influences. Where these imbalances or pressures specifically involve the endocrine glands, the special problem exists of the derangement of the spiritual sensory system and consequently the increased likelihood of possession. A very important and serious consideration must be addressed as we encourage the meeting of God face-to-face within the temple of our own body. As our society becomes more interested in and acceptive of the reality of the world beyond the physical, and as spiritual influences come into manifestation more in the lives of individuals, there will likely be greater potential for misunderstanding of the associated pathologies. Then, Some become possessed by hearing voices because of their closeness to the borderland. Many of these are termed deranged when they may have more of a closeness to the universe than one may be understanding nearby and commenting. With the opening of more and more individuals to the spirit plane or the borderland through a search for the inner life, whether through dreams, experiences in meditation, or a greater awareness of inner voices, those who open themselves but have not prepared themselves to deal with such energies in a balanced way may find themselves in serious trouble. Physical, mental, and spiritual incoordinations may express through spinal problems, mental attitudes, karmic backgrounds, Openness without discernment to the multitudes of voices that may speak from the spirit plane. One form of this imbalance, which is most serious, is in the case of an individual who may feel a special calling, even a sense of identity with the Christ. The individual may wander about 
being an incarnation of Jesus, and thus may feel that the forces are asking him to be the second coming of the Christ. So we must be aware of these things. Some experiences may confuse individuals, leading to an imbalancing of their experiences in the consciousness. All of us then, as we align ourselves with the ideals and information of this work, need to begin to put our lives in order physically, mentally, and spiritually with a new zeal. As we pursue the attunement that may be gained in meditation, we will find that the spirit within will have a healthy and balanced channel through which to express. And thus may we manifest not only the gifts, but also the fruits of the spirit in kindness, patience, long-suffering, and brotherly love. How an individual may raise his own vibrations to effect a self-cure, we are assured that this is possible by raising that attunement of self to the spirit within, that is, of the soul body. The answer for healing becomes very simple. Then making self in at one minute with that creative force that brings what? That necessary for the activity which has been set in motion has become manifested to be in accord with that first cause. So thus we see that the simple laws of all healing are that healing comes from the one spirit, the life force, and that as we put ourselves in accord with this first cause, we may expect healing. Attuning self through meditation needs to be coupled with manifesting that attunement in the application. And this application is not in the doing of any great deed, but simply in manifesting the fruits of the Spirit. Kindness, patience, long-suffering, brotherly love. Thus are we healed, made whole. This is our neighbor, our world, healed, made whole, made one. And if we follow the text of the New Testament, we find that these two words are used simultaneously. Healing means being made whole. So consider the story of healing from the Bible. A man was waiting by the pool at Bethesda in order to step into it, but he did not have anyone to help him get into the water. The master came up to him and said, Not, would you like to be healed, but would you like to be made whole? That phrase, being made whole, is reiterated throughout the Bible. Later, when Jesus saw the man again in the temple, he said, Behold, thou art made whole. So as we reflect on our condition, we find that we are not whole. None of us is whole. If we seem to be well physically, we may not be completely well mentally or emotionally. We are not whole as a people, as a nation, or as a world. Rather, our diseases be of the body, of the mind, of family, of finances, of work, of productivity, of worth, of meaningfulness, or of fulfillment, there is always an unseen, vaguely felt, dimly perceived lack of wholeness of the soul <clears throat> that stands behind all disorders. It is the sickness of the soul which is truly reality 
And art diseases and disorders are only symptomatic manifestations of it. So what is the soul? Well, the Edgar Cayce readings give a great deal of exciting information on the soul, the destiny of the soul, the promise of the soul. A 16-year-old boy asked about the soul and received this answer. What then is a soul? What does it look like? What is its plane of existence or activity? How may he find it? It may not be separated in a material world from its own place of abode in the physical, in the body physical. Yet the soul looks through the eyes of the body. It handles with the emotions of the sense of touch. It may be aware through the factors in every sense and thus add to its body as much as the food of the material world has made for a growing physical body in which the soul may and does indeed dwell in its passage or activity in any individual phase of any experience in the earth. The soul is an individual, individuality that may grow to be one or separate from the whole. The soul is that which is the gift of the creator to be the individuality that must present itself before the throne of judgment in its experiences through activities in whatsoever realm it the soul may find itself. Soul and spirit has no bounds. Say that it is the soul has builded or made for itself in respect to that it has made the association or connection with as respecting its activity. As we think about the quest of the soul and its experiences, we regularly find ourselves using analogies. The master used such an analogy in the story of the prodigal son, the archetypal pilgrimage of the soul. Like the prodigal, each of us in the beginning was with our father, but we went astray of our own choice. When conditions in our lives today become worse and worse, we finally come to ourselves and say, I will arise and return to the Father. Sometimes the, the quest is depicted as an achievement, sometimes to be acquired. The Holy Grail is an example, or the parables of the Master speaking of the kingdom being like a field with buried treasure, or a pearl of great price that might be obtained if one sold all one's worldly possessions. So the soul's quest may seem to find that master or teacher and may search to find this. Or is it the journey of one becoming a channel for a spirit being from another plane? Is it meeting one's soulmate? For some, it seems the quest is for a procedure or form. If we could just discover the proper technique for meditation, for example, some say, this is it. Just meditate by this technique and this is all you need to do. Some take a more scientific approach, becoming clear you know, of hang-ups through such instrumentation or, or mechanical means, while others would recommend participation in a ritual or an ordinance, or a sacrament, or an initiation. Perhaps the soul's quest is to experience some process. The teaching that we have received is that the ground on which we stand 
is holy ground. The principle is that the place where we are now is the right place, not just geographically, but with respect to the people with whom we have to deal, the jobs, the families, and the talents that are ours. This is the place, the place where we are right now. As far as the place is concerned, the kingdom is within us. One of the strongest and last warnings of the Master was, in the last days, there will be many who will say, he's over here, he's over there. And the warning is, go not out. In the soul's quest, that which we seek is not outside, that we should go to another place to find it, nor should our search be for a person to accompany us. The Master's promise is, I will not leave you comfortless. I am with you always to the end of the age. The promise is of his abiding presence. Our second consideration is the process. It is simple enough. We are to love God and our neighbor. All you have to do is what you know to do now. Only the little things count. It is just in being kind. My strength is sufficient for thee. It is all so simple. So why the problem? Questions were also asked about the mission of the Master. Is it correct that his was a voluntary mission of one who was already perfected and returned to God, having accomplished his oneness in other planes and systems? And the answer was yes. Edgar Casey's readings answered yes. Also included is that statement about the Christ consciousness being the awareness within each soul, imprinted in pattern upon the mind and waiting to awaken by the will of the soul's oneness with God. No matter how often the presence of evil comes, God will always prevail. God wants you to be healed and whole spiritually, to trust him with all of your mind, heart, and soul, to empower you so you may help others to understand his unconditional love and to be able to forgive others so you can live in freedom and peace and attain health and prosperity. God lays out his covenant contract with you to perform in no uncertain terms. His words and agreements are meticulously articulated in the Bible. From at least the time of Abraham, God held his contract for human blessings. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, God told Abraham. I will give all these lands to your descendants, and by your descendants all of the nations of the earth will bless themselves. All of this is because Abraham heeded what God said and did what God told him to do. He followed his commandments his regulations, and his teachings. It's all in Genesis 21.4. God's blessings come through you. By following his laws, you immediately enter into the glorious kingdom of heaven within you, should expect ongoing miraculous blessings. These are possible by following his laws, thereby manifesting his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven as Yeshua explained in Matthew 6.10. The spoken word through the physics of sound incorporates electromagnetic phenomena, including waves, more 
that through space. That space is composed of energy grids and matrices. That God created man in his image and used spoken word to give form to that image suggests that as children of God, we humans were likewise empowered to create in a similar fashion through the spoken word. That is how prayer works to produce miracles. When faith is applied and prayerful words are spoken to the Holy Spirit, who is directly connected to God, it has the power to create that which is faithful and righteously desired. This. So true, Sandy. You know, the, the, the thing is, too, when you look at all of the healings that Jesus did, and he was very plain and clear about the end of time. And people came before him and said, but Lord, I healed people in your name. I, I made those who couldn't walk or were lame. I'm, I caused them to, to be able to walk again. I healed the sick. I was able to even raise the dead in your name. And Jesus said, leave me, I know you not. And you see the power of of the spirit itself and the activity of its force is so powerful that when it's used in the correct way and with the correct, you know, sacred names, it can raise the dead. But that doesn't make the individual using it pure. So the idea is that it's good to be able to do things that will manifest the force of God that people can see and feel and know because we as human beings have a tendency to want to see it, feel it, touch it, know it, for it to be real. And that's a shame because most of what occurs in the most profound ways are when we're silent and we're watching and we're listening and God acts. And it's so beautiful. But if you look at the words of Jesus, Jesus was the pattern. The Holy, or um, the Logos, um, the Christ, is the power. And when the power took up the life of the man Jesus, or, you know, in the beginning Adam, took up the life, he became one. And that's the key to it all. And if you look at the things Jesus said, the healings he did, the things he talked about, he talked in threes. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I mean, he's giving you a, you know, a structure. He was the pattern. So he's giving you the pattern. I am the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you interpret those correctly, you'll see that he's telling you, how to utilize spirit, you know, of God in your life in a way that miracles can occur. The holiness, the Christ, knows all and is virtually experiencing or expressing as perfection in individual lives. Come into alignment with this expression, which is true prayer. Do not dictate Consent to the knowingness and activity of spirit and be at peace. The message here is omniscience. 
the truth that the only self knows self, and that the activity of self is in consent and constant and continuous fulfillment without being asked. This sets back the natural process of the universe where everything is being maintained at the divine standard at all times. Wholeness, abundance, relationships, time success, and that includes each individual being. Spirit knows our needs before we ever ask. I go to prayer all the time, and the first thing that I say to God is, before I even ask you, I know that you know what I need already. And it's true. It's been that way since I've been a child. And I know I don't have to say what it is I need. Sometimes I don't. You know, Lord, you know what I need? Please, you know, allow spirit to move into my life and through my life and to bring about the manifestation of your glory. And that includes each individual spirit or being. Spirit knows our needs, and it is with great love and joy that every need is met, even before we feel the emotional press, pressing of the world without. And that's the beauty of it. Now, I will say this. When Jesus went through the cities and, and he walked into a house and there was someone laying there whose legs had never worked, and they were 25 years old, and they'd never been able to walk, and the entire village knew it. And it was, could even be on the Sabbath day. And Jesus would reach down and he would say, take up thy bed and walk. And the Pharisees would go absolutely nuts. How dare you, you know, defame the, the, the holiness of, of, you know, of the Sabbath day by healing somebody. My goodness gracious. I mean, would one deny God the right, you know, to heal a child who had laid there for 25 years, you know, and not being able to interact with any of the other children or any of the other people his own age, and yet here comes Christ through the pattern of Jesus and says, take up thy bed and walk. And the Pharisees went crazy, and he said, whoa, whoa, he said, would it have been better had I said your sins are forgiven? And that just set him off even farther because they said, who are you to forgive sins, you know? I mean, all of a sudden it wasn't about the Sabbath anymore. Because too often we will find excuses for why. It wasn't right to do it that way. It should have been done that way. You don't have the power to do that. You know, I remember the song that said that, you know, I know Jesus walked on the water, but I think that preacher man would like to do a little walking too. And, you know, I believe that a lot of things are stifled because ministers can't find the way to be able to do the things that Jesus did, even though Jesus said, the things I do, you'll do and more. Because they can't do them, nobody else can. And they will do everything they can to hinder someone else from doing anything different than they do. And all it really boils down to is if you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind and with all thy soul, and love each other. There you have the, the Holy Trinity to start with. You know, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, and thy soul. Three, it's the Trinity. And then love each other. 
you're creating an activity, an action that must be applied. When, when those things are done, spirit doesn't just stand by and go, well, you know, I think we did have a prophecy like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's automatic. It must, it must include that activity. Spirit knows our needs, and it is with great love and joy that every need is met, even before we feel the, the emotional pressing from the world without. And, you know, when it comes to you being a healer, I being a healer, we're all able to heal through that Holy Trinity because it steps down the light into the portion there where it can be held within the human body. Hopefully, our human bodies will become full of enough light that it won't have to be stepped down at all. But once it's within, it can illuminate the cells of, the, of our own physical bodies. The knowingness of God is the answer to the problem and the fulfillment of the need. Spirit cannot know something without taking action. Again, spirit cannot know something without taking action. That is what spirit does. Creation can only occur, or manifestation can only occur, when there is action, when there has been activity by spirit. It is being, and since spirit is omniscient, it is eternally expressing. Being. Expressing or being, they're the same thing. Total fulfillment in every area of your life. Do you have a financial health issue? Relationship issue? Job problem? You can be assured that spirit already knows it. And that, my friend, is the answer to your prayer. And so... It's, if it's speaking it out, there should be for only one reason. And Sandy and I have talked about this before because we both have two different ways of, oftentimes, of healing. And I'll have to admit, hers is very effective. But, but by speaking it out loud, which is why Jesus did it, one of my favorite Bible verses is, Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the, in the whole Bible. And it says, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? It was when he came back after Lazarus, his, one of his best friends, and the brother of Martha and Mary. And he came back. Lazarus had already been entombed into the chamber for over three days. And Martha came running to him and said, where have you been? Why did you not come to heal him? You could have healed him. We know you could have. <coughs> Excuse me. And she was very upset about it. The mourners, they paid mourners in those days. There were mourners screaming and crying and all over the place. And the Bible says Jesus wept. And the interpretation of that is very simple. He wept at their, at their lack of faith. They had seen him raise people from the dead before. They had seen him heal the sick, cause the lame to walk, 
to heal the leper, to, you know, cure the blindness. They had seen him. They knew him from the time he was a child. And Lazarus was his best friend, one of his best friends. And it saddened him at their lack of faith that he could have been there for a year. And Jesus was life itself. That was the whole idea. He was, he was life. And that's why he had the ability to do the things he did. Everything was subject to his choice. And he walked up to the tomb, and he told the stone rollers, remove the stone. And they looked at him, and they said, no, he's been in there for over three days. And he said, remove the stone. And they looked at Mary and Martha, and they didn't object. So the stone rolled, moved the massive stone from in front of the hole of the sepulcher. And Jesus looked up, and he held out his hand, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Now, did he have to say that? No, he didn't. As a matter of fact, just before that, I believe, the Bible will show that he said, Father, I know you hear me. I don't have to say anything. I know you hear everything that that I may need. I know that you offer everything I may need. I know you know what I need before I know what I need. He said, but they don't. He said, and so that they may know the glory of the manifestation of spirit in our lives. I say it out loud. And he raised up his hand and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And to the front opening of the tomb walks Lazarus, still wrapped in the bed clothing. After having laid in there for over three days, there was nothing that was beyond his ability. And there are times today when we're healers. Are we are we confident? Do we know that we're healers? Or do we hope we're healers? Are you afraid that it won't happen? That's not your choice. We were told long ago, you know, are you going to be ready when we come to you and tell you that spirit is moving within and you are going to be able to do the things that Jesus did? And sometimes it's going to work perfectly. Other times, it may not, for the same reasons that Jesus didn't heal 5,000 people when he went into the wilderness. I said, could they not look into his eyes and see who he was? And the angels said, actually, you know, most of them came for the free food. And I just floored. I mean, <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. But they knew that they were hungry. And if they followed him wherever he went, eventually he'd have to feed them. And he did. But they didn't get healed. The ones that got healed, he would tell them afterwards. I mean, almost on every case, thy faith has made you whole. When the Roman centurion came rushing to him and said, my daughter's ill. She lies at death's door. And I know you're busy, and I know who you are, and I believe and I have faith in you. And I know all you have to do is say the words from here and she will be healed. And all of a sudden, a man came running and said, Sir, I hate to tell you, but your daughter 
has already died. And Jesus looked at the man, and the man said, you know, it's okay. I, I know you would have if you, if you had been there. And Jesus said, take me to her. And Jesus was taken to her. And he removed from the room everyone except one or two people. And he did that a lot, where the healing was very necessary and very intricate. And he would remove from the room everyone, sometimes even his own disciples, or even sometimes the parents. It depended. If any one of them had doubt, if any one of them thought, this ain't going to happen, this can't happen, I mean, we're just wasting our time here, they were removed. Because any type of doubt that may occur during it can can harm the flow of spirit in the way, the truth, and the life. And he would remove them. And he reached down and he said, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And they looked at him like, are you crazy? I mean, that girl's dead. And he removed them and he reached down and he took her by the hand and he raised her up. And he told the parents, feed her crackers, some crackers and some water to you know, help revive the system, get the system moving. And he left. And did he have to speak it out loud? No. But he did. Why? Because he wanted it to be written upon the schemes of time, upon the Acacia records. And just the raising alone, well, the picture may have been there for someone to have seen a thousand years from now or 3,000 years from then. But when you do it, you want others, even if this planet reconstitutes itself and you're no longer here, it will be upon the schemes of time in this, in this planetary experience, in this planet, in this dimension. And by speaking the words, you are giving God the glory. You are saying it out loud, and you are saying who is doing the healing. Where the, the, the healing power is coming from. You are the pattern. Spirit is, is the power. Christ is the power. And you say it out loud. You say you're healing out loud. And you can say, you know, I do this. I know that you will affect the healing without me having to speak it. But so that others may know that it is from you and that the manifestation of healing comes from you, you know, and they hear it and they see it and they know it. It will change them forever. And they will tell everybody they see. Everybody that Jesus said, whatever you do after I heal you, do not tell anyone. What do you think the first thing they did was? They ran and told. Who'd they tell first? Usually the Pharisees or the Sadducees, because they swore that you'll never be able to come into this temple with what you've got. And then they would go to the doctor. The doctor in those days, the, the main doctor was, was um, Luke. He didn't write most of that book. A lot of it was written by those around him. One of them was a gentleman named Lucius. And he wrote down the accounts of all of the patients 
that Luke had seen and, you know, their illnesses, how long they'd had them, and, and how all of a sudden they were changed. Wow. That whole book, gee, did it go into the Akashic Records? Absolutely. And into the Bible. We don't really understand that what we write today, what we say today, will affect tomorrow or it will affect someone else's life as much as it affects the person we're working on right now. It goes out into the ethers, and the angels say that if not one person listened to a radio show on any one day, that they can carry it through the airwaves and whisper it into the ears of a thousand people. So the whole idea here is speak it, know it, and know it without asking, and then take the time to sit back, meditate a little afterwards, and allow it to occur. Hold your hands open-faced up. Casey said, everybody's prayers are answered. Most people just don't stop long enough to allow what they prayed for to occur in meditation. So when we begin to do this, we will become it, and we will become one with what the Christ was all about. And we, too, can be made whole. All the residents in the body, whole, oneness, and that's the key. And others will know it, and they will be attracted. Some won't be healed. You have to be able to accept it. It's God's choice, not yours. But we want to bless you all, and we ask that you be blessed. And we thank you all for joining us, and we do hope that you will join us again in two weeks. And please email us, call us, 304-567-3354, if you have any questions. Um, and we'd love to be able to help in any way we can. God bless.